0: So today we're discussing God's love for mankind. This message actually launches a new series that was springboard off of our Vacation Bible School from this past week. The name of the study, Vacation Bible School, was Zoomerang, an Australian theme. The topic was the sanctity of life. VBS was a lot of fun and I want to share what we learned about some of the animals of Australia. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here and, uh, Kids, feel free to answer these questions before your parents do, okay? So, here we go. What is a kangaroo's favorite type of music? Give up? Hip-hop! What is a koala's job title? Quality control! What do you call a platypus that has been run over by a train? Kids, what is it? Of course, it's a flatypus! Did you know that koalas only eat eucalyptus leaves? And eucalyptus leaves are poisonous to just about every other kind of animal out there, including humans. So we cannot eat eucalyptus leaves, but koalas can. Koalas, also their name means no drink. What does, what's that all about? Well, they don't actually drink water, but they get water from the eucalyptus leaves that they eat. What's also fascinating is God designed them to have two thumbs on each hand, so they're specially designed for climbing. Very cool koalas. Dingoes, unlike other dogs, they have the ability to rotate their wrists. So they're kind of like people in that regard, how we rotate our forearm like that. They are also able to turn their heads 180 degrees. And by the way, dingoes are known as the singing dog because they do not bark. They howl, so that's got to be fun for anybody that owns a dingo, hear them howling all the time. The platypus. Platypus, very fascinating creature. In fact, when it was first discovered, uh, people thought that they took a bunch of animals and put them together, and that it was a fake, because it had the bill and the web feet of a duck, it had uh, the legs out like a reptile, it had poisonous venom like a snake, and uh, and it also laid eggs and, and, and the fur of a mammal, too. So they thought that it was a conglomeration of different animals. But in fact, it was one animal. It is one animal. One of the most fascinating things i learned about platypuses, or platypi, however you want to say it, is that when they go underwater, they close their eyes and their ears. And so they can't see, they can't hear when they're underwater. And yet, they can still locate their prey because God designed them in such a way that their bill is able to hone in on whatever it, whatever it is that they are looking for to eat. So very cool animals. So awesome animals that God has designed. And we must, must ask ourselves, if God puts so much attention into designing these creatures, how much more do you think he cares about us? In Matthew 10.31, Jesus states... You are worth more than many sparrows. Now this was a declaration that mankind is more important than the animals that you buy off of the street. Jonah, the prophet, happened to learn the value of life at the end of the book that he authored. You might remember the story of Jonah. Jonah hated the Ninevites. All of Israel and Judah hated the Ninevites. They were a deplorable people that did great evil against the nation of Israel. The prophet Nahum talked about the sins of the Ninevites and how God saw them in the book that he authored as well, also called called the book of Nahum. Now mind you, Nahum wrote his book 150 years after the events described in Jonah, but this is what God had to say about the city of Nineveh. The city of blood, full of lies, never without victims, full of slaves and soldiers, so many dead people in their city that the people stumble over corpses. In an adulterous culture that was full of evil witchcraft. Jonah was sent as a prophet of doom. He went to Nineveh with a message that if they did not repent of their evil, God would destroy their city. Now, in a bizarre twist of fate, Nineveh repented of all their evil ways. Nineveh took heed to Jonah's call, and it made Jonah angry. It made Jonah very, very angry. He even argued with God for sparing the city. He said, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, every time I read that, I want to laugh Because it's funny how we feel about the wicked. Right here, Jonah just preached a message of repentance that was effective. Any preacher will tell you that that's something to rejoice over. But typically, we don't want the repentance of our enemies. We want to take revenge upon them. We want justice. And we would be in a sad state if we actually got justice, though. Because if God brought justice upon the world, we would be doomed. Instead, God chose grace, love, and mercy. This is exemplified in God's response in Jonah 4.11, which says, Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also... Many animals. I imagine that Jonah must have been profoundly humbled after writing his book. Even though the book bears his name, he is in no way the hero. The lesson Jonah learned? God loves people and desires no one to perish in their sins. The common misconception is that God only cares about good people, His people. And don't get me wrong, God calls us to be holy and good, and He does have His people, the elect. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Well, This proves Jonah right. God is gracious and compassionate, Slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. This should humble us and make us compassionate towards people. In fact, the Bible tells us how God loves mankind. It says, that He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Matthew 5.45 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3.9. 3, nine. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the world. 1 John 2.2. 2. God loves mankind. You see, mankind, believer and non-believer, has a special place in God's heart. God disciplines those that have accepted his Son so that we might become more like him, While he is kind and compassionate to the non-believer, many people will choose to live without God and suffer eternal consequences. But he wants everyone to be reconciled to him through his Son, Jesus Christ. God's love has never changed. In Romans 5.10, the Apostle Paul wrote, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? The Ninevites and Jonah submitted to the message of the gospel. Jesus' proclamation in Mark 1.14 and 15 was this, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, Repent and believe the good news. God has every right to judge mankind for its wicked ways. He would be right to bring swift punishment upon all of us. His wrath will one day be exercised upon the wicked, but that day has not yet come. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I'd like to thank you for joining me for today's sermon. My name is Bill Sang from Faith Presbyterian Church. Feel free to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.